The first time I came to Tikvat, Israel, first time I came here, I remember thinking, this, this is great. You know, it's like, it's like everything I grew up with, along with everything that I believe. It's like the perfect marriage. I was home from college over the summer, and uh, I would always visit here during the summers when I was away. I went to college in Connecticut. I would come back, and I would visit. Uh, and while I was teaching in Mississippi, I came back over the summers, and I would visit here. And then uh, when I moved back here to Richmond, um, I remember I started coming regularly, and I took the new members class, and they asked me, uh, they asked me why I wanted to join. And, uh, and I just said, you know, where else, where else am I going to go? You know, I was, I was home. You know, that's, re- that's really how I thought about it. As a child, I grew up as a Reformed Jew. Uh, we kept the, the major holidays, Passover, Seders, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and of course, the most important holiday of all, Hanukkah. Well, okay, it's not the most important holiday, but it's the most important if you're a child. So that's what I was when I was a child. Uh, I always believed in God. And I always had a sense that God had created me and that I had a purpose in this world. I learned uh, the Hebrew letters in, in Sunday school. My parents took me. And I learned, I learned really good values from my parents. Um, they named me David, which means beloved. And, uh, and they instilled in me a sense that I was beloved, that I was loved. And a sense of tikkun olam which is the reparation of the world, and a love of learning. I went to college at Wesleyan University, which was vo- once voted the campus most likely to ignore God. And it was there that God did not ignore me, rather ironically. He kept uh, like knocking on my door until I finally answered. At that time, I had a sense of, of who I wanted to be, who I was meant to be, but I had no way of doing it in its fullness. I wanted to be giving and loving, but I was not connected to the love of God, so I was just kind of empty. It was, I was just feeling uh, guilty all of the time. It was like a, if you've ever had a cell phone uh, that's always running out of power or that feeling you get when you, when you, when you're, you have like 5%. Do you know that feeling? And, uh, and um, you're never fully charged. And uh, that's, that's what I was feeling. It was like I was never quite doing what I was meant to do. Um, at the same time, that's when God reached out to me. During spring break of my sophomore year, I actually stayed on campus. I just, I was by myself. I just needed some time to kind of process things and what God was doing. And I remember during this time, I took a walk, and I was wondering if, if my life mattered at all, you know. And all of a sudden, the wind kind of blew. There was like a, a rustle of wind, uh, which in the, in, the, in the Hebrew is the same name for spirit, ruach. And I looked down on the ground, and the leaves had formed uh, like the shape of an arrow. So I was like, okay. So I was curious, so I followed the direction of the arrow to a building, and there was a ramp um, with, with the building where the building was, and I walked up the ramp, 
and I looked in the window, and inside there was a poster, and the poster said, everyone matters to God, and I suppose I took that as my answer. I was also part of a gospel choir in college because I like the music. It's good music, right? Uh, And there were three groups of people in that class. We'll classify them by three groups. There was one group that took it because it was an easy A. Another group took it because they liked the music. That I was in the second group. And the third group took it because they were actually singing to someone. They were worshiping God. And I, I noticed these people, this third group, and I saw their faces lighting up, and they were singing, they sang all the songs differently than the rest of the class, than groups one and groups two. And one day, I was singing a song about Yeshua, and it, it was like, it went like this. It was like, he's king of kings and lord of lords. And I was just singing that, and the only way I can explain it is that I had a revelation about it. And number one, I realized that I was singing to someone, right, like the third group I mentioned. And number two, I realized that it was true. It was, it was a revelation that he is king of kings. He is lord of lords. And um, that's the only way I can explain it. I was, for that moment, I was in the third group along with them. Another time I, I went to... Uh, a Bible study, and there were these um, scriptures um, laid out all, like all around, and uh, we got in di- different groups and kind of talked about it, and it was all the words of Yeshua. It was all from the New Covenant, and I remember being uh, inextricably drawn to these words, um, th- and I said, I remember I, I read it, and I was thinking, this, this is the model that I've been looking for. This is who I want to be like. Um, this man, Yeshua, he has the words of life. The first time I went to church was in Times Square, New York, which it was a huge mega church. Must have been hundreds of people there. But the preacher, he looked right at me several times. And the only biblical name he mentioned was David. And <laughs> The topic he spoke on was how tradition is all well and good, but it's not enough. You have to have faith as well. It was a very simple message, but at the time, this was exactly what I needed to hear. Although it was exactly what I did not want to hear. My friend who brought me just kept laughing afterward about how God had a great sense of humor. It's so funny. I was not amused by this. One time I, I actually got, I got sick of God reaching out to me. I know it's, uh, it's, it's hard to hear. I got tired of being, I felt like I was being hounded by God. So uh, I told him, I said, look, I appreciate this and all, but I, I just need a break, okay? This is a little bit stressful for me. I, I, I just, I, I can't process this. I don't want to see another thing about God or religion or anything like that for at least like a couple days. Just give me, give me a couple days rest. And right after I said that, I walked into the campus center, the campus center of one of the most secular universities in the country, and there at the table, he was, it was a table, there was a man sitting surrounded by Bibles and biblical materials, and my jaw just dropped. 
And I was just like, I can't believe this. And I eyed him. I kind of stood, I stood back. I didn't like go up to him right away. And uh, he saw me kind of lurking, lurking um, with a little bit of distance. So he asked if, if he could help me if I had any questions. And I said, I, I'm not sure. And then I, um, I eventually asked him about a song. There was a song we sang in the, in the gospel choir. It's based on scripture. It's, it's from a psalm. And its song, its song went, I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed go begging bread. Um, and so I asked this guy, I was like, why, why are there righteous people that are poor then? You know, he kind of gave me a, an understanding of that scripture. This was 14 years ago, so I don't remember everything, but I do remember that I was upset that God would not stop reaching out to me. And we did chat for a little while, and, uh, and, and that was that. Another time, I was walking with a friend of mine, and I saw a girl from the gospel choir class, and something compelled me to go to talk to her. Now, I know what you're thinking, all right, but it wasn't, I wasn't interested in her romantically, all right? I just, I, I literally, I heard a voice inside me, and I felt like I needed to talk to her, so I did. Um, so I went over, and we talked about calling and we talked about education, and we talked about the class that we had, the gospel class. It was actually taught by a, uh, a working pastor who he prayed for us in the name of Jesus at the end of every class. And um, she remarked how it was as if he had a kind of light inside him. Like he was always, um, uh, he had this joy that never went out. And I, and I noticed that too, and I thought that, you know, that's really remarkable. Does anyone here remember um, AOL Instant Messenger? Did everyone, did everyone use that? Anybody still use it? <laughs> well, um, you, you know, you used to have to craft like a clever, like away message, you know. Um, it, was, it was a cool thing. But uh, I had a friend from high school uh, who was only on there when I needed someone to talk to. She was a Christian. And uh, she always knew what to say. And in fact, it was always disciples of Yeshua, it was Christians, who spoke into my heart, who knew my heart, and who knew what God was saying to me, and that ultimately convinced me that God is the living God, and that he loved me. Anyways, I remember I was talking to uh, this friend on AOL Instant Messenger, and uh, we got into a conversation about the Bible, and uh, at some point, I ran across the campus, all right? I was really excited to the library to get to read the Bible for the first time on my own. I ran across, and I ran back to my room, and the first verse I ever read, um, which uh, my friend pointed out to me, because there was a, a, in the Bible that I picked, there was like a cute little illustration there. But anyway, it said, it was from Galatians 6, verse 2. If we can pull that up. This is the first verse I read on my own. And it said, Bear one another's burdens, for in this way you will be fulfilling the Torah's true meaning, which the Messiah upholds. Bear one another's burdens. And I remember thinking that I wasn't really able to do this. You know, we can all bear other people's burdens to a certain extent on our own. You know, you can, you can kind of help people and carry people to, to a limited degree, but you can't carry all of their burdens if you're not connected 
to the one who carries all of our burdens. Does that make sense? I was not connected to the source, the one who bore my burdens on the execution stake. And I felt for the first time, I felt convicted. I knew what it was to feel guilty. Most Jewish people know this feeling. I knew what it was to feel ashamed, but this was different. I did not feel guilty. I did not feel ashamed. I felt convicted by the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. Shame and worldly guilt say that there's something wrong with me, and that's why I'm falling short. And this, this was not that. Conviction by the Ruach said that God, says that God loves me, and his love is strong enough to change our hearts, to change my heart into his image, to make us more like him. Part of the reason I was resisting God so much was all this Jesus stuff, right? I mean, I was Jewish. Jews, Jews don't follow Yeshua, right? No? Am I wrong about that? Well, that's what I thought. I, I struggled with this for a really long time, and I was, I was kind of on the fence. And I said, God, it's fine if you're reaching out to me and all, but does it have to surround this Jesus guy? Like, I mean, I'm Jewish. I don't, I don't know how this is going to work. Uh, I don't understand. And I remember I read, I read, I started reading through Romans. And I wouldn't say that I had a full understanding of this complex book in, in the Bible. But I did, I did kind of grasp some things. And this is what Paul says in Romans 3, verses 30 through 31. Since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised, that is, Jewish people, by faith, and the uncircumcised, the nations, through that same faith, do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. We uphold the law. Paul's saying, Jews who follow Yeshua, keep the Torah. And I thought, well, that, that makes a lot of sense. We are made right with God by faith in Yeshua, but we as Jews, we uphold the Torah. Faith empowers us to keep the Torah. So Paul was saying here, I can still be Jewish and be a disciple of Yeshua. So I decided I wasn't going to go with what the world said. I was going to go with this guy because he was in the Bible. And I thought, you know, that's probably better. And I, I stand by that decision. Finally, one day I remember running into a disciple of Yeshua, Christian, and they asked where I was at in my beliefs. And I said, well, you know, I'm kind of on the fence. But to be honest, the fence was starting to get uncomfortable. I mean, there's only so long a person can straddle a fence, right? It's, it's, it's not, not the most comfortable position to be. So they said, as you're walking home, you could accept the Lord. They didn't pressure me. They just said it as an answer to what I already knew in my heart. And they went on their way, and I went on my mind back home. And I said in my heart, okay, God, I'm tired of sitting on the fence. I'm going to accept that Jesus, that's what I said at the time, Jesus died for me and that he is Lord. And suddenly, I felt like I was instantly on God's team, I, and I felt this overwhelming joy and peace, and I was, I was like plugged in. 
You know that, that feeling you get when your, your battery's dying and you finally you find a plug and you plug it in? It was that, but with my, my own soul. I was plugged into the source. I was able to do what he had always called me to do, to love others and to be continually filled up by his love so that I could continue to love others. I could hear, I could hear from God the same way that his disciples, the Christians that ministered to me, I could do the same thing. I could hear from the Lord. And God did speak to me from that point on, and he's still speaking to me today. So right after that, I looked it up online, and I found out that there were places, there were synagogues for people like me. And I thought this was great. So I I called myself at the time a Jewish Christian. That was the best term that I had. I didn't have a full understanding of my Jewish identity, but I did know. I did know because of what Paul said, I was still Jewish. I knew I was on God's team. I knew that it was a very Jewish thing to be a follower of Yeshua, no matter what anybody said. I knew that God had the power to transform my heart so that I could fulfill the destiny that God had for my life. And that was 14 years ago, and my journey of learning is still going on up to this moment. So why did I choose to tell you all this part of my story uh, where I came to faith in Yeshua? Well, I wanted to encourage you to think of God as the living God, that he is still doing things on the earth. Rabbi Ron Aronson was here last week, and uh, he spoke about miraculous encounters with the living God, things that have happened to him. God spoke to him and, and healings and um, deliverance and, and people coming to faith. And I remember God saying to me as I was listening, this man, meaning Ron, this man isn't special. And I thought, wait, wait, what do you mean? This is, this is a very special man of God. And uh, I don't think that the Lord meant that Rabbi Ron isn't a unique blessed individual. But I understood the Lord to mean that everyone, anyone, can have an intimate relationship with God. Anyone can hear his voice. Anyone can see him do things. Anyone can be on God's team for the reparation of the world. It reminded me of a scripture about Elijah. You see, Eliyahu Hanavi, Elijah the prophet, he was a, he was a strange guy. This man, he saw angel armies. He brought dead children back to life. And he never actually died himself. He just, God just kind of took him. He was just, you know, like, okay, see you later. And he went up in chariots of fire. And the scripture that I was reminded of is in James 5, verses 15 through 18. And it, it mentions Elijah, Eliyahu. And this is what it says. The prayer offered with trust will heal the one who is ill. The Lord will restore his health, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, openly acknowledge your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is what? Powerful and effective. Eliyahu was a human being who was nothing like us. He was totally different. Is that what the scripture says? He was just like us. Elijah, this crazy man, he raised the dead. He was just like us, just a man. 
Yet he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and no rain fell on the land for three years and six months. And then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the land produced its crops. Another translation of this part reads, Elijah was a man just like us. In other words, Elijah, Rabbi Ron, they're not special. Well, they are special, of course, but not in that sense. The man, this man, Elijah, he called fire down from heaven to burn up an offering that was drenched in water to prove that the Lord is God before hundreds of Baal worshipers. What the scripture is pointing out is that anyone, anyone can have this kind of intimacy with God. The prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, you might say, well, you know, maybe I'm not such a righteous person. So I guess my prayers won't be powerful and effective, like Elijah. But the context of the scripture provides an answer. We just read it. What does it take to, to achieve that righteousness so that God hears our prayers like Elijah was heard? It takes only confession repentance, which is turning away from sin, and trusting in Yeshua's righteous atonement for our sins. Because in him, we have the righteousness of God. We are right with God in him. It's my sense that the living God wants to do things. He wants to move here in our congregation to heal and restore and deliver. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So my question is, how does Hashem want to enter your story? How will you partner with the living God? Let's pray. Abba, I just thank you um, for what you have done in my life, uh, for drawing me close to you, for salvation, for atonement, for the love. I thank you um, for my parents, oh God who instilled that love in me. Um, and uh, I thank you that you are still doing things, that you love us, that you want to do amazing things here at Tikvat Israel. And we just say, Hineni. We say, here I am to you. And we say, whatever you want to do, Lord, whatever healing, whatever miraculous accounts, whatever, whatever love that you want to pour out, we say yes to you, God. We... We acknowledge that you are Lord and you know what you're doing and you're faithful. And um, we, are, we are honored to be part of your team and for you to be our leader. B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen.